Well, good morning to everyone. Good morning. This is kind of an exciting day. I, I guess you noticed in the bulletin that you had more pieces of paper than you probably knew what to do with immediately. Uh, your, I can make paper. <laughs> your uh, bulletin for the charge conference, which takes place immediately after the service at noon, is also included. So just set it aside, but don't lose track of it because you'll want to use it when we do our uh, brief devotional in here at noon, and then we're going to move next door, and everybody will go through the lunch line really quickly and grab your plate because we're going to eat and work and do our business meeting uh, in the fellowship hall right after the devotional that takes place here. You'll also notice around noon, you'll probably start to see some of our uh, countryside uh, folks show up for Charge Conference, and and they will be making their way into the sanctuary. So just move over or point them to an empty seat and, and they will come in and, and become a part of our service as it progresses. Also, before I get started, I want to make sure you got a chance to say hello to Kip Giltz, our district superintendent, who has graced us with his presence uh, during our worship service. Make sure that you get a chance to get by and shake his hand and say hello uh, once we get over into the fellowship hall. So with that, I want to continue this morning. We have been in a series in Paul's letters to Timothy. And our, in our series thus far, we have talked about fighting the good fight of the faith. And we've talked about those things, if you remember when you were taking notes last week, we talked about those things that we are to pursue as we fight this good fight of the faith. And the things were righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. We've also discussed in previous weeks this authority that we have been given as believers, as ministers of the faith, authority over the natural world in which we live, but also over the supernatural world, authority over the spirits that rule and reign over rulers and kings and kingdoms, as the Word says. And then we have also talked about this power and authority that we have to be heralds, proclaimers of the gospel. We have the authority to be apostles, bringing the news to the unreached souls in our community. The authority to be teachers, mandated by Jesus Himself to teach all that He commanded us to every tribe and to every nation, including the tribe and tribes in this community. Tribes are just groups of people that have common interests. And there are many of those in Shepherd. And we talked about how we have been given the means to accomplish all of this in the power of the Holy Spirit. And through that power, we've been given a spirit not of timidity, not of cowardice, but of power and of love and discipline. See, we've covered a lot of ground in First and Second Timothy. Now today I want to talk about that same authority that we've been discussing. As it exists in the Word of God, I want to talk about the assurances that we have from Jesus. The promises 
that we've been given as ministers of the faith. Promises that our faith in Him carries with it as we go along this journey. And then I want to wrap up this morning with a discussion of some words of wisdom as to how we are to represent God as ministers of the faith moving in this community we call Shepherd. Listen to the Word of God as Paul talks to Timothy. We're in the, uh, the second letter of Timothy. We're in the second chapter, and we're starting at verse 8. Paul writes, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David. That is my gospel for which I suffer hardship, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, Paul says, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, so that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And the saying is sure. If we have died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. And Paul writes, remind them of this and warn them before God that they are to avoid wrangling over words, which does no good but only ruins those who are listening. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by Him, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth. See, in our, our walk of faith, as we fight this good fight, as we act as ministers of the faith in this community, we must never lose sight of why we are doing it. We must never lose sight of for whom we are doing it. And that's why Paul tells us to remember Jesus Christ as the reason for all that we do. He says, remember, Jesus told us that we would suffer hardship and persecution for His sake. And as we travel in this world, as we move about this community, being ministers of the faith, as we journey through this life, we find that the struggle is real. Do you agree? It's not easy being a minister of the faith in Shepherd, Texas these days, is it? I wish Skeeter was here to tell us some of the stories. I know I'd, I'd invite Callie up, but she'd be too embarrassed and scared. She'd say, no, I'm, I'm fine. <clears throat> Callie and Cooper started this ministry to the homeless. And it's been embraced by this congregation and, and Skeeter is, is uh, law enforcement with a heart. And he has helped to bring to the homeless in this area things that they would normally not be able to obtain for themselves. Clothing, shelter, food, necessities that we probably take for granted. 
Seeing that every day has got to be heart-wrenching. Seeing the, the struggle of your neighbors in need that live in the woods or underneath overpasses, anywhere they can find shelter. The struggle out there is real. It takes many forms. And most times the struggle is with things that are unseen rather than things that are seen. Because we're doing battle not just against homelessness and, and scarcity, we're doing battle against powers, against principalities, against these rulers of darkness that love to prey on those whose hearts don't have Jesus in them yet. We're fighting against addictions to alcohol and drugs, things that you can't see tangibly. You see the evidence of it, but you don't see the illness, the demon that lives within. Some days, maybe some of you feel this too. Some days I feel like the only way I can get through some of the days where I'm ministering to people. Some days the only way I can get through those times is by remembering why I do what I do and who I do it for. Sometimes the struggle is just enduring the pain and suffering of people that come into our experience. When you're out ministering to the homeless in this community and you get that heart tug, and when you get that heart tug frequently enough, you might begin to be overwhelmed by the sheer magnitude of the issue. Because being a minister of faith in the world, being a follower of Jesus, comes with it this responsibility of getting into the lives of the fallen and the broken. Those who need healing. And it can be painful. It can be rough. It can be dirty as we do that. It reminds me of a time not so long ago, a month or two, I guess. I was called into the circumstances of the mother of a patient. And the mother had requested to speak to the pastor. She was a woman who had brought her son, who was gravely ill, into the ER, the emergency room, for treatment. And when I walked into the exam room and she was there with her son, I sat down on the stool next to her and I said simply, how can I help? And when I said those words, these tears just streamed down her face at that moment as if the words, how can I help, opened some sort of valve in her and her words and her emotions just poured out of her. <coughs> And she explained her circumstances. She said that she and her son were living in their car and that they were on the run from an abusive relationship. And her son was a special needs kid, but he'd also gotten 
ill a few days ago and she said she has no money to pay for the ER visit. And if they prescribe any medications, she said, I can't pay for it. I have no money for food or gas. And if somebody gave me gas money, I wouldn't know where to go once I put it in my car. She was embarrassed to even be in the situation that she was in, being there, being seen by doctors without the ability to pay. She said she was embarrassed that there was no way to pay for medicine. She was ashamed that she had allowed herself to get into that circumstance in the first place. And the circumstances of her life were so rock bottom as she poured them out to me. Well, I have to tell you, my heart could almost not bear the depth of the compassion and the empathy I felt for her in her desperate situation. And as I listened to her, my mind kept going back. The thing that affected me so deeply was she was the second patient that day in that particular circumstance. She wasn't related to the other person from before. They were totally unrelated, didn't know each other. They were unique individuals, and yet the similarity in their situation was more than I could stand. And what made their stories even harder to take that day was the fact that the day before there was a single father in with his ill daughter. They weren't quite homeless yet, but they were about to be because he had lost his job and they were out of money and there was so much need and it was only Tuesday. I knew that if the rest of the week was like last week and the one before that, then I would have this same type of conversation several more times before Friday. And all I could think to myself as I'm listening to her continue to pour herself out in that exam room is, my God, my God, will this struggle ever end? This struggle is not unique to downtown Houston. Cooper and Callie and Skeeter will tell you that there are folks like this right in our own backyard. And so as the thought of that becomes a little bit overwhelming, that there's always one more homeless, there's always one more sick, there's always one more person in need. As that comes over you and you think, my God, will this struggle ever end? Remember Jesus. Remember your Lord and Savior for whom you suffer. Because you see, the brokenness in the world that we minister to can be overwhelming if we're not firmly grounded in Christ and tuned into His strength and His authority. Because if we're tuned into His strength and His authority, then we can be released from the chains that weigh us down, the afflictions 
that pile on us and surround us to the point to where we're overwhelmed. We have to remember that Jesus is the Word and Paul tells Timothy here in these verses that the Word of God is not, cannot be chained. Through Christ we have promises from God. And he tells us what those are. He says, if we've died with Him, we'll also live with Him. If we endure, we'll also reign with Him. And he reminds us If we deny Him, He will deny us. If we're faithless, He will remain faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. That's a little confusing to me on first reading. But think about it. What he's saying is, to die with Christ is to die with to self. To die to self is to live instead of living in our own devices living in Him and for Him. And as we pursue the faith, as we pursue endurance, He tells us if we endure, we have the promise that we will have dominion over those struggles and over everything that causes those struggles in both the natural and the supernatural. He reminds us, warns us even, that if we deny Christ, there's a consequence He will deny us. But then He reminds us that even in those times where we can't find our faith, even in those times where there's just one too many homeless people on our menu, even in those times where we slip into doubt and fear and unbelief, Jesus is always faithful. Because that's who He is. That's His character, His nature. It's who He is and He can't deny Himself. And so the last thing that Paul reminds us of in this passage from 2 Timothy is how we are to exercise the authority we've been given as ministers of the faith. He says, Paul says to Timothy, remind them of this and warn them before God that They are to avoid wrangling over words, which does no good, but only ruins those who are listening. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by Him, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth. We see real-world examples of this word wrangling, don't we? All you have to do is click on your television and there's mudslinging and word wrangling, there's truth bending, there's political spin, and it only serves to alienate us as listeners. It dilutes the message. It distracts from the real issues. And it's the same way with the gospel message, isn't it? When we manipulate and cherry-pick the Word of God to fit our own personal agendas, when we proclaim the Gospel in self-righteousness instead of God's righteousness, when we preach the Word one day and then we act like the fool the next, failing to live out in our daily walk the very thing that we preach, 
It's been said that the most difficult thing for the unbelieving world to get past is a professing Christian who says one thing with their mouth and does the opposite in their actions. And so Paul reminds us here that we need to present ourselves worthy. As one who is approved by God, a worker, a minister who can stand upright and not be ashamed because of the redeeming power and love of our Savior who has made us righteous. And it's because of our love for Him that's made possible through the righteousness that He gave us. That love causes us to respond in love to respond righteously as we explain the word of truth, showing the love of God in our actions as well as with our words. And so in this place we call shepherd, we are the ministers of the faith. We're the ones fighting the good fight. We're the ones pursuing righteousness and godliness. This is our faith walk. This is our mission to the community. This is our good fight for the, for the kingdom of God. And so I encourage you this morning to step out into this community this week with these tools that you've been given through the word of God as Paul gives it to Timothy. Remembering that the Word of God is not chained. No matter what comes at you, no matter what you're faced with that seemingly might overwhelm you, the Word of God cannot be so chained because the Word of God is freedom. And so, you are invited to go and spread the Word Spread it just as Jesus said, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our next hymn, Let Every Peace on Earth.